up for you will be in Mark 1. I've been waiting to sing that song with y'all for a long time. And uh, the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't want to sing this song. I just want to listen to it. You know, I just want to be kind of blessed by it. And um, But then I wound up singing it by the end because <laughs> you just can't, you know, you can't not sing it. Um, the worship leader at the, at the conference where that song was premiered, one point he said, uh, he said, you were born to sing these words. And he wasn't like promoting his songwriting. He's talking about the, like the worthy part. And that's all through the Bible. It's all through the book of Revelation that that's a part of what we will be declaring forever. And when he was like, you were born, like you were created to sing this. I was like, I was created to sing this. You know, like it just sort of all clicked. Um, so here we are uh, into Lent. And um, in Mark chapter 1. Uh, unintentionally, honestly, uh, we find ourselves where Jesus was in the desert uh, being tempted. And Lent, I'll talk more about this at the end, but the season of Lent uh, is is supposed to help us identify with Jesus uh, as best we can by also entering into a 40-day season of fasting and prayer. And... Jesus, like I said earlier, was, was um, like that number 40 connects to Israel being in the desert for 40 years. And so Jesus was identifying with his people, with his story, by trying to experience what they had experienced. We are trying to experience our Savior and the plight of Israel by also going through like 40 days of difficulty. And... Um, the fact that our Savior has done this is something that really speaks it speaks to us a lot. It speaks very deeply. Now we can find this account in some of the other Gospels, but I want to just really stick to what it says here in front of us in Mark. And it's just two verses. Uh, we know more information from using the other Gospels, which is always a great way to study the Bible. But um, just looking at these two verses, uh, what does God want us to know? And what does God want us to do? Those have been the questions for the past few weeks and will be for the next couple of weeks. Looking at the simplicity of the Bible and like trying to just really boil it down to a couple of simple questions. There are a lot of ways to do it. Those are the two that I'm doing. What does God want us to know? What does God want us to do? So let's read the, read the whole passage, both verses. Um, verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness... And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. So when people talk about Mark being kind of a documentary, that's kind of, kind of a little bit of what they mean. It's that there are times when the other Gospels will, will devote you know, 10, 20, 30 verses to something, and he'll just like knock it out in like two, two little clips. Um, but these really say a lot to us. And so what does God want us to know? Uh, the first thing I believe, uh, uh, there's a lot of things, first of all. Okay, so these aren't the only things, but these are just three things. Verse 12 says that the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Spirit, capital S, 
meaning the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, that it was God's idea for this to happen. And so the first thing he wants us to know is that it was the Spirit that led Jesus into a difficult situation. Jesus didn't put himself in that situation. He, he didn't necessarily even volunteer for it. Maybe not even what he wanted. But God was like, I'm going to intentionally put Jesus in this difficult situation. What was difficult about it? Well, he was, it says he, was, he fat for, had 40 days of fasting. So that's pretty difficult. Um, sometimes I'm 40 minutes without food and I feel a little faint. You know? So I can't imagine 40 days of fasting. Um, he, uh, it says that he was, con- verse 13, he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Uh, the other Gospels talk about like some, some specific examples of the temptation, but uh, a lot of scholars will look at this and say, those, those may just be three representative like, instances. It's, it could be that, that Satan like, came at him for 40 days, that he was just constantly being tempted. Um, so he's hungry without food for 40 days, Satan himself, like he didn't, Satan didn't like outsource this. This was like Satan himself coming. Um, it says that there were wild animals. And so there was like a dangerousness to it. Uh, I would imagine that, um, you know, some wild animals, animals probably wouldn't look at, at this as like an opportunity for a meal, but a whole pack of them probably would. So there's some danger there. Uh, he was isolated from people. This is someone who grew up in a community. This is someone who was, uh, who, just like all of us, created for relationship. And so he goes out and he is, uh, he's not fasting as a part of a larger community that's also fasting. In this case, he's fasting all by himself in the middle of the wilderness with all the wild animals, with Satan himself there tempting him uh, for 40 full days. So this was, it was holistically difficult. It was, it was physical, it was emotional, it was spiritual, it was social. Uh, this was like... Like all of his senses, you know, were impacted here. Um, and so when I say it was a difficult situation, that's what I mean. It's, that, it's all of that stuff that made it difficult. And God himself, God put Jesus in that on purpose. Uh, he initiated it and Jesus said yes to it. He probably wasn't thrilled. I'm just assuming that he wasn't like, yeah, no, that sounds like a, like a party right there, you know. Um, but that was the, that's the first thing, is I think God wants us to pay attention. Like, hey, who's, whose idea was this? This was God's idea. Second thing, is that Jesus has firsthand knowledge of temptation, spiritual attack, holistic weakness, long-suffering, and obedience. I mean, th- this is like, Jesus, we see him... Like 100% immersing himself in this like very normal, like human experience kind of thing. So he's so Jesus. I think sometimes like it's easy to discount this because it's Jesus. You know, like if it had been Paul, you'd be like, oh, Paul's like a normal guy. You know, um, to look at Jesus as like some sort of like like a, like Jesus is like Superman. You know, like a, he's from another planet. He has a whole different set of like things going on here. But Batman's like a normal guy. He's just really rich. You know. Uh, and so, like, if it was a normal guy, it'd be a little more attainable for us. But we kind of like put it as an exception of like, well, there's no way, I, there's no way that this has anything to do with me because it's Jesus. You know, we want to put it in this other category. Jesus was fully, fully God, but he was also fully man. Like he was both of those in in one. But yet he 
he humbles his divine nature. You know, it's like, it's like he, not that you can section yourself off, but it's almost like he sectioned himself off and said, I'm not going to access my divinity. I'm going to just live as a human. And so that's why we see him retreating to pray. We see him dependent on the spirit. We, we see him weak. I mean, God could not be weak. But we see weakness because he's just living as a human, choosing to humble himself and not access this divine nature. And so he's immersed himself in the human experience. So he understands firsthand what it's like to be attacked spiritually. He under, understand what, understands what it's like to be weak physically and also and be attacked spiritually within that physical weakness. He understands the difficulty of long-suffering. He understands that sometimes obedience is really, really difficult. You know, And so none of that is lost on Jesus. So he has first-hand knowledge of these things. One of the things about studying the Bible that is cool in our day and age is you have these footnotes and different things. And I was thinking about that. I was like, here's this, we have this God who chose to become weak. You know, like what, what God does that? There's no, in all of the um, mythologies and all the different like things where all these gods are created, there's never one that's like chose to be like weak, you know. I was like, it seems like it says that somewhere. And I looked at the footnote, so you can always look at footnotes, it always helps. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation, that means that, like in order to absorb the wrath of God for us, and the punishment of sin for like in order to, like, to get it done on the cross, he had to become like us. Read it again. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Like this plays into completely, absolutely, his effectiveness in accomplishing the plans of God in your salvation and my salvation this plays a role in it. The fact that he has firsthand experience of what it's like to sit there and have Satan come at you and to be physically weak and to endure and to suffer and to have the joy set before him and him endure with that. Like all those kinds of things, all the things we're striving for, every single one of them, Jesus has also been striving for and he understands. We have a God who chose to become weak. Okay, so the first thing, the Spirit led Jesus into a difficult situation. Second thing, Jesus has firsthand knowledge of temptation, spiritual attack, holistic weakness, long-suffering, and obedience. Like all those things we see there, firsthand knowledge. God wants us to know that, pay attention to that. The third thing is that God provided for Jesus' needs. Look at, the, look at the end of verse 13. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. I don't really know what that means. You know, there's not a lot of detail that's given. But the, the kind of flyover of that like, tells us that Jesus was being tended to by the Lord. You know? So did, he, did Jesus need food in, in this time? No, he didn't need food. He needed spiritual strength. And the angels were ministering to him. The angels were taking care of him. That he was not by himself. Even if the isolation may have whispered that to him. 
that he was not weak, even if his body may have whispered that to him. That he was not abandoned by God, even if the enemy may have whispered that to him. That all these lies that had come his way, God was taking, sitting there saying, no, no, you have what you need. Here's proof that there's some sort of care being given to him. So, God led him into a difficult situation. Jesus experienced firsthand all these difficulties. And in the midst of that difficult situation, God met every need that he had. Those are three of the things that I think God wants us to know. And so here we are on the front end, sort of, it started Wednesday, but this the season of Lent where we are uh, we're praying and we're confessing and we're repenting and we're, we're thinking. Like we're, it seems like a lot of times we try not to think about you know, sin and difficult things. We don't really like that's not happy, you know. Uh, and so it's like here's this plopped into our year every year of like, no, no, no. Like we, you need to face the, the dark realities of our world and the fact that Jesus is the only hope, you know. Um, and we're like, if you fully participate in this season, a part of that is going to be, it's going to involve some difficult stuff. Like you're going you're gonna to sense God like leading you, calling you, um, putting something in front of you, and you just kind of, you're like, I, know, I think I'm supposed to do that. You know? And it's going to be tough. That's a part, a part of it. Uh, so what does God want us to do in Lent as we look at the story that's our model of Lent? What are we supposed to do with this? Uh, well, one thing I think is I don't think we're supposed to shy away from the things he's leading us into, even even when they're hard. That Jesus could have shied away and been like, I don't really want to fast for that long or out there, or isn't that where the devil is? You know, like there's probably all kind of things he could have come up with. It's like, yeah, not my not my deal. He could have resisted. He could have said no, but he he embraced. What the Spirit was doing. I mean, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Um, God leads Jesus into difficulty. Sometimes he's going to do the same with us. Um, and it's probably not going to be the same thing. Like if, if you if you're, are like, hey, I think, I think God's calling me to go sit in uh, the desert and fast for 40 days. Uh, come talk to me first. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the same thing. Um, there are a lot of people who die trying to imitate this down to the to the you know last detail. So be careful with that. Probably not going to be this extreme. But God is not afraid of difficult situations, especially if they're for the good of His children. And so when we bring ourselves before the Lord, you know, and we're just like trusting Him to lead us and shepherd us forward, there's there gonna be times He's like, okay, uh, here's here's what I need. Here's what like here's what you you need to do. So it could be it could be things like I mean confession isn't confession difficult? If you've never confessed, then you don't know. But trust me, it's difficult. It, it's it's rough until you develop it as a regular discipline. It's like one of the most uncomfortable things in the world to sit down with someone that you love, some people that you trust, and say, "Hey, I need to bring something into the light," and you just kind of like, "Here you go." Now it's in the light. But when, when God is, is, the, is, when he's the one that's driving you into that, I'm going to use that word drive because that's what the word is here. The spirit drove him into the wilderness to fast and pray and be tempted by the devil. If the spirit is driving you into a conversation with someone, God's not afraid of that difficulty, you know. 
Confession, he's not afraid of it. Repentance, he's not afraid of it. Uh, conflict resolution. Like he's like, no, 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 this, this needs to happen, so I'm going dr- to drive you into this. You, you need to sit down with this person and you all need to talk about the th- some things that have gone on. Whether it doesn't matter who started it, it doesn't matter, none of those kind of things matter. That, that Jesus has already died for all that sin, so let's reenact the gospel together. And for Jesus to drive us into our own difficulty like that is something that we should see as being really, really good. It could be fasting, you know. What, you're, what you are, are going to give up for Lent and fast and, and, and replace it with something, like that could be a very difficult thing. Um, it's easy to pick something easy. It's difficult to pick something difficult, but maybe he's calling you to really like, like put like, just kind of go for it, you know. Um, professional counseling, that's another one I just kind of put down. But some of you in this room have probably felt for a while that you needed to like sit down with someone and just talk through some things, or there's something you've been putting it off. Maybe, maybe, but maybe it's the spirit driving you into that. You know, it could be any any form of of obedience. If It'd be nice if, if every obedient step was just filled with like happiness and rainbows and like it was all like good times or whatever. But there are times when our obedience is it's a struggle. It's painful. Um, even things like the dark night of the soul, you know, that's like this sounds really, really daunting. But when you go through it, it is. It's like this season where, where, you, where you feel like, like God has removed all the evidence of his presence and grace from you. He hasn't really removed it, but it, it feels that way. And maybe he's kind of just veiled it on purpose, you know, to keep you from seeing it. And, and it's, one of the, it's one of those like, times where we mature and we grow and we say, even though, I don't, even though the, the emotions are not there, the circumstances are not there, the, all, the, all these things, are, even though they're not there, I'm going to choose to believe that you are there. I'm going to push all that stuff down, and my faith is going to be greater that I believe that you are on the other side of this veil, you know. All these kinds of things. These difficult situations that are very common for uh, your, like your experience and my experience in following Christ. There are times when we bring things on ourselves, but there are times when God himself is driving us into these things. And I think we're supposed to look at Jesus here in front of us and say, Man, he didn't, he didn't say no. He just went with it. He trusted the Spirit's leadership of his life. He trusted what God was doing. He, he entrusted himself to the shepherd and overseer of his soul. Like that's what he is doing here. And so in those things, those difficult things, the things that maybe are just, like they're hard, you know, they aren't super fun, but they're right. We follow him into that. It's, it's, the, it's the classic move of, like, of a good parent. So when I was, when I was young, uh, I don't really, I don't remember this, uh, but it, our, my parents have told me the story. So, I guess your feet are supposed to point in a certain direction, you know? Like, I know, like, forward, but you know what I mean? Like, I guess there's, like, some, like, angling or something. In mine, I think we're both going the same way or something. And they noticed it when I was little, and so I, I had to wear these corrective shoes. And the shoes were facing the correct way, and they had a bar between them. Yeah. And this wasn't, this was like not before, like this was not me as like walking around. You okay, Chad? (laughs) Apparently it was terrible for my parents, you know. Uh, 
Because I was like crawling around. So I'm like dragging this bar everywhere I go. And of course hated it. If you held me, that meant that the bar was like beating into you. And I was of course kicking because I hated it. So apparently both my parents were just bruised a lot when I was little. And uh, I hated it. They hated it. It brought up a lot of questions in public of like, is that a discipline device? Or like, what's going on there? Like, is that okay? Uh, A lot of issues there. Um, But eventually it worked. And now I'm very thankful that my parents were like willing to push through all of the the difficulty and uh, push through my tears and hopefully their tears because they love me so much. Uh, but push through all of the reasons why they wouldn't want to do that, and they listened to the doctor and their love for me and their like belief in like their role as my parent. They're like, no, this is worth it. That's what good parents do. You know, you do, you do that for your kids. Uh, if you don't have kids, you would do that for your kids, or you will do that for your kids. There are times when you're like, hey, uh, this is what's good for you, and even if you hate it, it's still what's going to happen. Because mom and dad know. See, that's what good parents do. This is a classic move by our holy parent. To say, hey, conflict resolution is good for you. Obedience, good for you. Counseling, good for you. Confession, good for you. Fasting, good for you. Obedience, good for you. Dark night of the soul, good for you. He's not afraid of it. He knows what's on the other side. And so for us, I think a part of what we do with Jesus' example is we just say, okay, he did it, so I'm going to do it. Second thing. Is we ask him to use his experience and his power and his love to help us. This is very simple. The difficult nature of these experiences, are, it's not lost on Jesus at all. And he is not an armchair quarterback, okay? You know, armchair quarterbacks, they sit there and they watch football and they're like, come on, make that pass, you know? Because they know, they know, oh, you know, he, sh- he should have done this, he should have done this, he should have, I can't believe, no, 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 no. And they're sitting at home in their recliners. They hadn't been, they're, they're not, they've never been an NFL quarterback before. And then you watch Sports Center, and they have these guys who are actual NFL quarterbacks who are like, yeah, that was super hard, <laughs> Like, no one else understands, like, it really is, it's, like, super, super hard. Jesus is not an armchair quarterback. He's not sitting there being like, come on, get it right. I can't believe, don't you know how easy it is? The Father and the Spirit, they, would, they wouldn't do that because that's not their heart, but they have, don't have the firsthand experience that Jesus does. And so within the Trinity, Jesus is sitting there going like, yes, it's terrible. Satan is so smart. He's not really that smart, but like he's like so much more crafty than you would think. Yes, it's like when you don't eat for forty days, you're super hungry. Like you're very, very weak. You know, God in the spirit, like really? Because we've never done that. Jesus, like, well, I've done it, and it's terrible. Long suffering, obedience. We're talking about a God who is outside of time. One day is as a thousand to him, and yet Jesus enters into time moment by moment. Thirty years of waiting for the baptism. You know, like it's like he understands all of those things. I think we're supposed to ask him to help us. Saying, Jesus, you you understand. Will you help me? We have these the those prayers of Hosanna of like, would you just save me from this? Would you just be merciful and kind and awesome and just help me? There's a difficult thing I'm being driven into. 
by you, and I, I, need, just, I need to know that you're in it with me. I read Hebrews 2.17. This is what 2.18 says. It says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Read it again. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Because he's been in that trench. He's been in that battle. He understands He wants to help, and He will help. And so we have those cries of Hosanna, save us, save me, help me, please. I don't want to go into the desert by myself. I don't want to go into this conversation by myself. I don't want to fast by myself or be obedient by myself. I don't want to go to counseling by myself. And He says, you don't have to. You've asked me to help you, and I'm going to. I'm going to draw from my my first-hand knowledge and experience, and I'm going to empower you, and I'm going to help you. Last thing is to anticipate and embrace his provision. So the angels were ministering to him. Whatever that may have looked like. I mean, just the fact that he survived it, okay, means that his needs were met. Now, Jesus could have, I don't know if these were visible angels, or if this was, you know, I'm not really sure how this worked. But to anticipate, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be driven into this difficult situation. I'm going to ask him for help. And I'm going to look for him to provide for my needs. He did it for Jesus. He'll do it for me. He drove Jesus into difficulty. He'll drive me into into difficulty. He helped Jesus. He'll help me. So we anticipate those things. It could be, it could be, I mean, there's all kind of seen and unseen ways that that can show up. He could provide, you know, peace. He could Provide guidance. It could be church support, community support, strength, physical strength, spiritual strength. The disciplines could be fruitful. Your perspective can change. You could have just really crazy evidence of his presence. All kind, of, all kind of fruit, seen and unseen things, ways of rescue. But look for him to re- look for him and receive whatever it is that he wants to give you. And trust that we will not be in it by yourself. And so here's Jesus doing battle with the devil in the desert. God's idea. Jesus said yes to it. Never alone. All his needs met. Do you think he emerged strong or weak? I think he emerged hungry. But he definitely did not emerge weak. That that strength that comes out of those times of obedience and difficulty... If God is initiating it, if he's calling us to do something, we have to say yes to it. But our yes is not an an uninformed yes. It's not faith that's blind. It's faith that's fully informed. We can look at Jesus and say, if it happened for him, it happened for me. By the grace of God, let it be so. Now where this meets you in Lent is probably one thing, but it probably meets you at a different place in life, you know. Maybe things that have nothing to do with this season, that there are just things in, in front of you and you've known for a while, like, I need to do this, I need to do this. And just admit it, you're scared. It's okay, I'm scared of things. I have things in front of me I'm scared of. Is that keeping me, though, from saying yes to what he's driving me into? That's the, that's the question. And I have, to, I have to look at Jesus and say, well, God took care of him. He'll take care of me. If his holy parent is leading him into this, then my holy parent 
knows what he's doing when he's leading me into whatever it is. And so a part of what has to happen is, is just saying, saying yes to the fact that we have this amazing God who just leads us faithfully. Receiving communion, that's, that, that is like a physical reminder. It's, a, it's God saying yes to you and you saying yes to him. And perhaps even just the way that that weaves together for us is us approaching the table and saying, I, I, I want what you have for me. We'll sing, we'll pray, we'll kind of respond for a few minutes together, but um, whatever God is stirring in you, if it involves difficult situations, I hope that you're encouraged, even by these two simple verses, that, you're, that you feel a renewed sense of faith and trust in this God who's like, look, I know what I'm doing. Whatever your version of corrective shoes you know, might be, he's like, no, it's worth it. You may hate it for a second, but you're going to be so grateful. Do any of us in this room think for a second that Jesus looks back at those 40 days in the desert of fasting and is like, man, I wish I'd never done that. Not for a second. Satan probably looks at it and is like, man, that was, whew, I hated that. But Jesus doesn't regret it. So may his example push us forward. All right, let's stand together. Adam's going to be serving communion tonight. And Adam, in this situation, will be representing Jesus. That Jesus is offering us his body and blood. That's what we're, we're looking toward. Like Because of what he has offered to us, and us saying yes, like that whole thing. Um, we don't wander aimlessly through our lives. And so perhaps, uh, as you approach the table tonight... All that obedience and that, just feeling him drawn into this, uh, these steps of difficulty and stuff will be a part of it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, what, a, what an amazing uh, example you are to us. I mean, there's so much going on in this story, like spiritually, that we can't see or really understand. I mean, the, the cosmic battle with the, with the devil, I mean, the accuser of the brethren, the the rebeller, uh, rebeller, it's not a word, uh, the, the one who rebelled against uh, God himself. Uh, there's so much that's here that we can't see, but, but we, can see, uh, we can see our Savior in the desert being hungry and being attacked and saying yes to you and you caring for him. We can wrap our minds around that. And our desire is to, is to follow after him as our rabbi, to become like him. And a part of that is going to involve us saying yes to difficult things that you are leading us into, believing that it's for our good and that you will be with us the whole time. And the cross is, a, is, is the best example of that. That Jesus entrusted himself to you. You led him, you led him to the, do the most difficult thing that's ever happened in history. And you were with him the whole time. And now you invite us into that same life, that same love, that same uh, power. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in us. And so would you help us as we approach the table tonight to approach so in faith? believing you as our Holy Father, 
We're asking you for a fish. You're not going to give us a snake. So we approach you in faith. We thank you that you have said yes to us. We say yes in return. Pray that you use these moments to drive us more deeply into our trust in you and our love for you. So may you bless this time of response in prayer and in song and in communion.